read in uh, James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. James 1, 21 to 25. Let you turn there. Lord Jesus, we know that you are in this place. Lord Jesus, we know that you know about everybody. Lord, every reason, every motive. Lord Jesus, for coming in this place. And Lord, we know that we have come, Lord, to lift up our hands. Lord, to lift up our voices. Lift up our hearts and to acknowledge you as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would allow your word, Lord, your spirit, Lord, to wash over us. Lord, to, to speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus, to allow us to to cause us to grow, and Lord, to know more about you and about ourselves, Lord Jesus, that we may grow, grow stronger in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I better turn there myself. James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. And we read, <clears throat> and James says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, and superfluity, excess of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted or the planted word of God, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving or cheating your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man who beholds or who looks his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. And he beholds, he looks at himself, and he goes his way. And straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks in the perfect law, or the complete law of liberty, and continues or lives therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'd like to talk a little bit about be doers of the word of God. I like that, being a doer. <clears throat> it gets me. It, it does something to me, being a doer. I like, I like action. I like putting things into practice. There are lots of quotes which we can here we there's one quote that i've heard for a long time you've probably heard it as well knowledge is power and it has very it has few modified versions of how that goes but people in business use that knowledge is power politicians make use of it knowledge is power sports people techniques ways of doing things explorers whether they are exploring land masses or they're exploring new frontiers of some kind of technology or science authors technological policy makers educators people who advise in relationships they understand the knowledge is power there's another quote which I've heard that a problem well put is half solved or some kind of variation of that you may have heard as well if we can identify what the problem is we're halfway towards solving it. And it's great to be able to identify a problem. But 
that's not the end of it. That helps to get us started. We would be a bit disappointed um, if we have diagnostic tests. We have diagnostic tests for all kinds of purposes. We can have diagnostic tests for our bodies, diagnostic tests for our cars, diagnostic tests for various appliances that we have in our houses. If we go to a doctor and he orders a full blood test and and it comes back and tells us you've got a high iron content or low iron content or you've got low white blood cell count, we go, right, I, I know what the cause is. Or if we go for some kind of a imaging, radiological imaging, and if they identify that there's some kind of occlusion in your lungs, you go, yeah, it's, now I know what the cause is. Or if you go for one of those things where they stick a, a fiber optic cable down you, endoscopy, and they work out that there's a polyp in your stomach or in your bowel, oh, now I know what the cause is. These things help to explain the biological or the physical causes. But we would be disappointed if that's all we had. If the doctor said, right, you've got those polyps there. Would you like me to tell you all about them? I can tell you how they were formed. I can tell you about the acidic conditions in your stomach. I can tell you about the types of foods that might be helping it or, or, or preventing it. I can tell you about the technology that enables us to see it. Fantastic. But that's just a diagnosis half of the problem, maybe, but it is not solved. There must be more than knowing, must be more than diagnosis. There must be more than being able to identify what the cause is. There must be more than the knowledge. I work in the health area and I'm interested in in health. And I was recently looking at the history of hospitals. Just wondering, how long have hospitals been around? And it's interesting, the earliest recorded writings that prove that there's a, institutions or places that were put together for people to come to for healing actually come from what today is Sri Lanka, around 400 years before Christ. That's the earliest recording of a place dedicated for people to come to that were sick to have some kind of treatment. And in fact... From that time on, various institutions or buildings or or sanitariums have been put together for various diseases. Some have been for specific diseases, some have been for specific types of people. In India, in the Roman Empire, a lot of hospitals began a long time ago in the 3 and 400 AD in Iran, in Iraq what is now Iran, Iraq, it wasn't back then, in Syria, Egypt, later in Jerusalem, China, Mexico. It wasn't around about 1000 AD that Europe started getting into the hospital scene. And then there was hospitals in France and Germany, Spain. Ambulances were first used in Spain in 1000, around 1500 AD. Around 1600 AD, the format of hospitals as a large building with administration, with doctors, with nurses, with pathology, with pharmacy, has only come into place around 1600 AD. And then it has grown from that point on. So people have recognized that that, that having a place to come to for healing, for treatment, for diagnosis is good. 
But around about the same time, 1800, people acknowledged that hospitals are also the causes of infection, of gangrene, of discharge. In fact, they didn't have to be told that because when you walked into those hospitals at that time, you'd know. There'd be some smells. And the smells come from the, the decay, the decay of people's bodies, of wounds, open wounds, sores, infections, from germs, from bacteria. So the places which were built to heal are the smelly places that are causing disease. In fact, in, in many cases, deaths as well. <clears throat> that was around about 1800. There's a young doctor by the name of Ignaz Semmelweis. He's a Hungarian doctor who, was, who became a, a leading obstetrician in the Vienna General Hospital around 1840. And he, being involved with maternity, um, it was well known, as, as you probably know, that during childbirth, it was actually not a safe period. Many women and many children died. In fact, as many as 25 to 30% of women that had childbirth had a complication, died, or the child died. That's one in three or one in four. And many in hospitals as well. And so this doctor started to think about this and wonder, what's going on? And he came up with some causes and he, he, he advised the other doctors around him uh, to use a solution to clean their hands. They, they washed their hands between patients and doing various things that people were still dying. Where he was working, it was actually quite good. It was one of the better hospitals. Only about 15% of women that came in to give birth died. So he was actually in a better place. But he realized that something else is wrong here. There's smells, there's discharge here. There's, there's things which aren't right. People are, ladies are dying. And they're dying because we are helping. And when he came across a solution of what we call bleach today, calcium oxide with a bit of chlorine, the stuff that's bleach. And when he made the other doctors and nurses wash their hands before and after a procedure with that, the number of deaths dropped to less than 2%. Because he used something called bleach. Today we call it all by different names. We call it Preen or Boost or White King. And it might not have the same constituents is the calcium chloride which that had there but it served the same purpose at the right concentration it serves to remove the germs the bacteria which are caused by transmitting from an instrument from a room from contact from one to another it kills the germs and reduces the deaths significantly unfortunately People didn't like that idea because it wasn't accepted at that time by the medical community. They laughed at this doctor. They said, this isn't right. <clears throat> but the results proved it. About 20 years later, there was a German, um, English doctor, Joseph Lister. 
who happened to be working in Scotland, because the doctors get rotated around different places, and he was working in Scotland, and he was a surgeon, and he was very interested in what Dr. Semmelweis in the Vienna General Hospital had discovered and had written down, and he started looking at it, and he just started to apply it to surgery. He used a different solution, he used a different material, but the purpose was to, to kill off the germs and the infections. And he would apply it to the wounds of patients after they had surgery. And they found that the complications and the smell and the discharge had reduced significantly. Later, he applied the same solution to the instruments. And then they made it into a fine mist and they sprayed the whole room. And they found, and in, 19, in 1867, a long time ago, 20 years from the time of the first one, he wrote a, an article in the British Medical Journal that said that uh, is titled, uh, where is it here? Um, the antiseptic principles of the practice of surgery. And from that time it's been accepted that we have to use infection control. That we need to apply whether it's this stuff or something else. Now we use it for cleaning, but in a different concentration we can use it for kill, killing off germs. It is you know what? Infection control started off with that. It's nice to know. But you know, we can use this today not only for infection control, but we can use this for cleaning our clothes and whitening it, bringing it, bringing benefit to our clothes. The application of a knowledge, the application of a material is the demonstration of knowing. We don't have to know the history of hospitals. We don't have to know about germs. We don't have to know all of your fabric, your clothes, and you know all the different materials made up of them. If you, and if you, it says here, and I think you've probably read this before. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, um, where are the instructions here? Apply to stained area and leave for a maximum of a few minutes. Wash thoroughly. Apply. I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know. I don't need to be a doctor. It's good to be a doctor. I don't need to know all the different things that make up the details in the background. I need to apply. I can apply infection control. I can apply whitening to my clothes. If we apply, we use something in a particular way. We consider, we turn to, we regard to. This is what James says. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He looks at himself and goes his way and forgets what a man of his man he was. But he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The doing, the application. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know all the details. I need to apply what I do know. I think all of us probably know about this. 
but very few of us know about maybe infection control. We don't need to know all that. We, God, what does God expect from us? I remember reading uh, and hearing a, a, a comment recently. All the Bible knowledge in the world doesn't mean a thing if it is not applied. All the Bible knowledge in the world doesn't mean a thing if it is not applied. A few weeks ago, we had a Bible quiz here. Some people learned 40 verses, some 50, some 100, some learned 150 verses. That is Bible knowledge. Fantastic. We applaud it. We encourage it. But it doesn't mean a thing if it is not applied. There are people who have knowledge and understanding. Some who have walked between us are no, are no longer walking this way. They still have the knowledge. That knowledge is not applied. When we apply something, it is used in a practical way. It's not theoretical. It's not academic. We can learn things for the sake of learning. It's good to know things. But there is a difference between theoretical or academic or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, pure. We need to have pure things. But we're talking about knowledge. We need to apply the knowledge we have. You know, you can go to courses and you can have a pure science course and you can have applied science course. You can have a psychology course and you can have an applied psychology course because it is applying the knowledge to use in a practical way. Chemistry. We can talk about chemistry, but then we can talk about minerals and processing and we get materials that come out of uh, the rocks that we grind up, uh, grind up. That is applied knowledge. What is preventing you from applying the knowledge of God and the truth of God's word in your life? What's preventing us from applying God's truth in our lives. We have it. If we have it, can we apply it? James in an elsewhere asks the question, do you believe in God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. In that passage, James is explaining about faith. You believe? Great. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to apply it? If you have faith, put it into action. There's, there's got to be some works. There's something that comes out of you, out of some action. Something has got to be applied. Something you don't need to know. It's good to know the verses. And we encourage to know all the verses in the Bible. But we need to, how do we apply them to our lives? How do we apply God's word to our lives? What is preventing you from applying the knowledge and the truth of God's word in your life? Are we comfortable with knowing? And that's it. We know. We've diagnosed it. We know what the problem is. Well done, doctor. Thank you very much for telling me. But that's not enough. 
are we are we influenced by others around us who do not acknowledge the need and because they don't see it so we think we're out of place and if they don't see the need then I've seen the need but maybe I don't have to apply it are there people who encourage us to do things which maybe they shouldn't are we do we take part in situations will allow ourselves to get in situations that, that limit us from applying God's word do we take part in activities that limit the application of God's word the solution is simple cut them out easy to say but that's the application do we have self will it's, it's <clears throat> I know I know what the God I know what God's word says I've read it there I've heard someone say it I've had it explained but I am my own person I'm my own individual and I will do it in my own time or I am self-sufficient I don't need anybody else I am afraid of change I lack the strength to be able to apply it I think this is a good idea but I'll think about it tomorrow as soon as we go into a mode of this is a good idea I'll apply it with some measure of time before I apply it it's already gone because we allow time to pass we are already putting it on the back burner we are already putting it behind we are not looking to apply it do we avoid certain activities do we oh, question is what's preventing us from applying God's truth do we avoid certain activities that God asks us to participate in and therefore we're not able to apply it do we avoid certain people do we hold certain feelings anger forgiveness do we have an issue with how we perceive ourselves or how others perceive us and that limits us and gives us reasons excuses but 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 because 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 he didn't she didn't. I didn't get to. They should have. What limits us from applying God's truth in our lives? Jesus was teaching his disciples. John records it at what we call, at the time before uh, the crucifixion, when they all came together in the upper room. And he is teaching them about the principles of ministry, about what it takes because he knows very soon he's going to be taken away. He's going to be crucified. One of them is going to betray him. Another one's going to deny him. All the others will run away. He's teaching them when you're leaving somewhere, when you're leaving to go, when your kids are leaving to go, the final instructions, the key things. He says to them, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know these things? Do them. Apply them. Put them into practice. The example he was teaching, this, the principle was put into practice. The example was he was teaching them about ministry. He was teaching them about how to serve others. But the principle applies to every area. Whether it is to ministry, 
Whether it is to applying a proverb in your life. Whether it is to apply a, an example from the Old Testament, someone's character, strength or weakness to avoid, to apply in our life. Now that you know these things, Jesus says, you will be blessed if you do them. Do them. Sometimes we may hear, but we don't apply correctly because we don't hear very well. Jesus says, Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And we know the story. We know the example that he gave. You heard. You know that you've got to build. You put a foundation in. You build it. But you build it in the wrong place. You didn't hear properly. You didn't apply properly. It is going to be of no value. No purpose. It's not going to last. It's known that our will can override any knowledge we may have. To know it is necessary, but it is not sufficient. We must will to do it, to put it into action, to apply it. You know, how many of us know about health? We could probably all put our hands up and say, we know about health. We, got, we, we, know, about, we know we have information about health. If we don't, we don't have to look far. There's so much information about health. And all the different things we need to do, apply. You don't need to know all the different things about health. You need to apply them. How about financial management? There's no shortage of information about financial management. We know we've got to... There's a few principles which we have to apply in, <clears throat> in our lives to be financially sound. And we need to be financially sound. God's Word encourages us to. Yet how many of us are able to do that? How many of us are able to live at peace with our Creator? We have teaching. We have preaching. We have conferences. We have songs. We have youth. We have other things. And yet there is something in us that struggles because we fail to do, to apply. We, the reason is, is that we have to overcome ourselves. We're actually battling ourselves. You're battling this here. You're battling this here. There's a concept I really like. It's called PB. Those who do sports know about PB. PB stands for personal best. Personal best is a good concept because you're not comparing it to anybody else. How did, how did he do? How did she do? You're not measuring against anybody else. What effort did I put in place? And can I better the effort? Can I overcome myself? Can I do it better? A personal best is a great achievement. We don't have to... Not everybody has the same legs. Not everybody has the same lung capacity to be able to dive. Not everybody has the same coordination. But have I challenged myself? Have I overcome 
myself? Have I done better than I did last time? We are not measuring between ourselves. That is, not, we, when we are focusing on personal best, it is a good focus. God doesn't measure us one against the other. He measures us against what we know to do and His Word. Why do we put off doing what we should? I know what I need to do, what I should do. That's enough. I've, I've done it and I've failed before. I find it difficult. I admit I'm inadequate. I don't have it in me to do it. Maybe we lack faith or obedience. Maybe we're indifferent. Or only heard it partially, didn't really hear it and build it in the wrong place. Maybe we're living off past experience. God moved in our lives. We had understanding, we had knowledge, we had applied it, and it worked. And then we somehow got off track. Why do we put off doing things? It is your will. You choose to do, to apply. Are we a practicing Christian? A will is not enough, though. Because it's, this is not about the will. We certainly need to admit and have a will to do it. But our own self, of our own strength, we have to admit we are inadequate. I will to do it. Lord, help me to serve you. Lord, help me to witness. Lord, help me to read your word. Lord, help me to get things into my heart. Lord, change my heart. Am I? I'm willing to do it. But Lord, I'm not strong enough. Lord, I'm not adequate. Lord, I need to rely on your promises. I need to rely on your power and on your provision. The funny thing is, those who don't apply, actually apply. Do you understand? Those who don't apply, this apply their carelessness to leave their clothes messy. Those who don't apply the solution, I didn't talk about this, Lister, Dr. Joseph Lister. <clears throat> That's the one who put the article about the uh, surgical instruments. And This comes, some company used that name and came up with this product called Listerine. And this is not the product he, that he developed. But the concept is, is it. Can we apply this? And this isn't the best thing, actually, because this is full of alcohol. And it's good to use from time to time, but you don't want to overdo it. But the principle, the concept is, remember the bleach. Remember the Listerine, which are principles of applying God's truths into our lives. I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know the full history. I need to apply those verses that I know into my life. And I need to admit that of myself, in my strength, I am weak. I will to do it, but I submit myself to God to help me to do it. That's the irony. That's the strange aspect. That if we apply, 
we will be blessed. But if we don't apply, we actually apply and we put into practice and results of our self-application. I think it uh, tells us in... uh, I haven't uh, marked this one. There we go. Almost there. The Apostle Paul tells us. <clears throat> hmm. But unto them who are contentious, who are headstrong, self-willed, self-sufficient, and do not obey the truth, but only uh, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, they will get, what will they get? They will get tribulation and anguish upon every soul that does evil. Of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He's talking about faith and living for God through the law. But the principle applies. If we apply God's ways, we will have life and eternity. If we choose not to apply God's ways, we will have the consequence of those things as well. Romans, um, uh, <clears throat> John the Apostle John, in his last moments, not necessarily moments, but in his last time when he was exiled, he, he lets us know, or the God lets him know, to let us know, that his message, God's message, is for every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. When it comes time for God to come back into judgment and reward, He's expecting every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. We don't have an excuse. Wherever we are, whatever we are, we can apply. Paul teaches about following God's law in Romans chapter 2. We are not, and he's telling the Christians that it's not in following God's specific law that was given to Moses and to the nation of, of Israel. But he does talk about applying God's ways. He says, But glory and honor and peace to every man that works good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law, and that he's talking about the Mosaic law, but we can say God's ways for this purpose, he shall perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law and shall be judged by the law, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. The doers of God's ways, the doers of God's will are justified. He that doeth the will of God abides forever. He that doeth the will of God abides forever. That means that we will have a reward. There will be an eternal life. Paul writes elsewhere, God will render to every man according to his deeds, his deeds, his doing, his application. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. These things are promised to us when we apply his ways to our lives. We, you don't need me tell you in your life what you need to do specifically we need the preaching of God's word to give us understanding 
and principles which we apply in our lives ourselves to do our personal best. To will to do God's way, but not in our strength. Relying on His power. Relying on His promises. In Galatians, Paul writes, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap in faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. Continue doing. Continue applying. There is so much in God's Word. There are Proverbs. There are Jesus' sayings, teachings on the mount. There are the Peter's and apostles, John, James, Paul. There's prophets. We can learn. We can apply these things to our lives. You know, and if we don't know, there are people who we can go to. I've learned that if I don't know, I go to the person that knows. Now, that doesn't mean anybody. It doesn't mean everybody. There are people who come to church who are happy to tell others how to do things. God's Word tells us that if when we look for pers- people to learn from, that their lives need to line up with God's Word. So we can't just go asking anybody and everybody, and even just because they're in church, because people come to church for all kinds of reasons. But there is an avenue if we don't know how to apply a certain thing, there are people we can go to. And we know when we're asking, it's easy to ask the person that that is maybe a bit, it's got a bit of a grudge because they'll associate with me with my grudge and and, uh, rather than go to the person that we know that we should go to because we are actually deceiving ourselves. We're not honest with ourselves. We're not applying God's truth to our lives. We're not doing our PB. We're not doing our personal best. In Revelations, John lets us know, God lets him know, and he tells us, John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth... And heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Not comparing it to others. Not giving an excuse. Not but, 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 but because. Or I wasn't strong enough. Did you ask me for help? You're not supposed to be strong enough on your own. That's what it is. You are supposed to will to do it. But you are supposed to ask me to help you to do it. In the final chapter, in the final book, right at the very back, we read Jesus 
is saying and John records and behold I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be according as his work shall be I am the Alpha and I am the Omega I am the beginning and the end the first and the last blessed are they that do his commandments that apply God's commandments that put God's ways into practice they are practicing Christians they are applied Christians that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates in the city you don't need to know everything from here to the end i'm not saying we shouldn't try we should understand as much as we can but understanding having knowledge having information while it is good it falls way short we need to apply we are better off knowing less and applying all that we know and dealing within here now we can ignore the obvious we just went through the season of christmas when jesus is born the nation of israel were looking for a king they had the roman empire around them have you ever thought why the wise men didn't go straight to jesus to bethlehem god could have sent them straight to bethlehem but he didn't they went to jerusalem and what happened in jerusalem in jerusalem herod they asked herod where is this king that is born to be the king of jews and herod went oh i'm a bit troubled about this this says herod was troubled and the whole city with him now probably not everybody but the people who had some kind of position of power were troubled oh our power base is going to be shaken what did he do it says he called the scribes the pharisees the teachers of the law to give him the answer that means he knew that means the court knew that means the jewish scribes pharisees who understood the law knew god gave him a fair warning god allowed him to know you know this king that's coming it says they came up it says he will be born in bethlehem why because that's what the old prophets say and he sent them that way they knew but they didn't apply when it came time to repent it was only a few we can learn lessons of nicodemus who was there when jesus died he was one of the ones who did and there were others which we can talk about next time men of sosthenes but they are the ones who applied god's will god's teachings in their lives what have you done what will you do with what you know what you know from god's way that he wants to deal with you with you not me telling you that attitude that approach that lack of faith that lack of obedience that lack of willingness to surrender that lack of no i will do it my way will you be a doer of the word of god finally proverbs chapter 7 says my son this applies to daughters as well 
Keep my words and lay up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. And keep the law as the apple of thine eye. We're not talking about the Mosaic law. We're talking about God's laws written in our hearts. Let's keep God's words. Let's go beyond knowledge. Let's go beyond hearing. Let's go beyond just knowing. But let's apply in our lives. Will you obey and will, will you allow him to produce the life that he wants you to have?